Alright, so the podcast is recording now. And the video is recording. right to do it that way uh ozzy osbourne also did the official theme song to tonight's hell in a cell but it has the word hell in the title and i wasn't in the mood for that so going into this hell in a cell uh my expectations were low uh it just seemed like it's just a, a space filler of a pay-per-view like oh we gotta put on a pay-per-view this month what are we gonna do all right it's hell on a cell time you know uh so let's just have hell on a cell i thought the matches would be good because the the wrestlers in wwe always put on good matches on these premium live events that's what we're supposed to say now premium live event so i pulled up the the match card because I really didn't know a lot of the matches that were on it. Because I haven't been following wrestling as close lately. But also there's not much reason for them to make me want to follow WWE. Or AEW for that matter. So the top of the card, you had Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins in the Hell in a Cell. I feared this would be the match of the night. That was my thoughts before the show started. You had this mat, the next match for the women's championship, uh, the Raw Women's World Championship. Uh, Bianca Belair defending against Asuka and Becky Lynch in a, a three-woman dance or a three-way dance, whatever. Um three great workers but this should be Oscar versus Bianca alone uh, I just don't get this why Vince McMahon and whoever's backstage thinks that Oscar can't draw on her own she can't sell premium live events 
and she's one of the best wrestlers they have. They they totally misused her, underused her during her championship reign during the pandemic. Uh, they took. I can't say they took the belt off her too soon, because she had it for a while. They just did not use her, and it was during the pandemic era when. There were no fans in the arenas. And then... They brought Red Hot Rhea Ripley from NXT to Raw. And they put the belt on Rhea Ripley too soon. Let Asuka feud with some people... Let her show how good she was. She came from NXT on an undefeated streak. And then she gets to the supposedly main roster. And Vince is like, well, I, I don't get you. I don't understand. Whatever. You know, it, it's like... Johnny Ace and... John Laurinaitis or Johnny Ace... And Bruce Pritchard are outdated. Vince is outdated. But the sad thing is, if Triple H and Stephanie and Shane are not the heirs to the throne, and Nick Khan is. Nick Khan was a wrestling fan, and I get more respect for him, but... He, he doesn't get the creative side. He's strictly business. And if you turn the WWE totally over to, let's say, NBC or Walt Disney, it's going to be a totally, woke pro, a totally woke product. You're going to have really horrible actors and acting, even worse than it is now. In a wrestling company. So that will be the nail in the coffin to professional wrestling if Vince hasn't nailed the coffin shut enough already. But that's a whole other thing. You Then on the, the card, you had Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. Uh, I thought this would be a good match. Um, the next one was... Bobby Lashley versus almost an MVP. I said this would be a fun match. Then you have uh, Liv Morgan, AJ Styles, and Finn Balor versus Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, and Edge. Uh, I said this could be the second best of the mat night, second best match of the night next to the Hell in the Cell itself. Um. I did miss one match. Uh, Austin Theory versus uh, Mustafa Ali for the U.S. title. But right now, my pick for... Well, we'll get there. But I, I think this Bullet Club plus Liv Morgan versus the Judgment Day was probably the match of the night. Uh, 
Cody and Seth was good, but it didn't really grab my attention and hold it like I hoped it would. Um, then lastly, these are kind of in no particular order. You had Mad Cat Moss versus Baron Corbin in a no-holds-barred match. I thought that would be the bathroom break match of the night. And I, I actually was watching it while I was talking just now. And Baron versus Madcap uh, was probably match of the night. Well, it may not match the night, but a much better match than I thought it would be. Let's put it that way. Um, I've got Austin Theory and uh, Mustafa on right now. So, one good thing that came of this, Mad Cat Moss got a gimmick change tonight. Uh, that's the not the best thing that came of that match. It was a, a really good seesaw battle, back and forth match, a lot of weapons, of course, because it was no holds barred. Uh, it ends with uh, Mad Cap putting a chair around uh, Baron Corbin's neck. And I think it's time for Baron Corbin to get a gimmick change also. Uh, he needs to go, stop this happy Corbin slap happy shit and just go back to being Baron Corbin. And WWE needs to realize that it's okay for wrestlers to have two names uh, right now I'm watching Austin Theory who is just known as Theory now well what Theory is he is he the Theory of Evolution is he the Big Bang Theory what Theory is he oh he's Austin Theory give him a freaking name alright when see what makes wrestling good you don't get this, Vince. What what makes entertainment good? Okay, you you want to you want to lie to yourself, Vince. We're making movies, pal. You're not making movies, Vince. You're making a wrestling show. Okay, just be be what you are. Be the best wrestling company in the world. All right. But what makes a movie or wrestling or sports entertainment good is when you can buy into a, a person. Now, The Rock, that was different. He started out as Rocky Maivia, and he said, no, 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 I want to be known as just The Rock from now on. And he threw it in the fans' faces. But that was his real persona come through Stone Cold Steve Austin came through as the beer swelling redneck because you could relate to a guy named Steve Austin working class people could relate to that that's why they got over but it wasn't because somebody with a a pencil and a paper and a roll of duct tape on their glasses in the nerdery in the writers room of the WWE headquarters with the other 29 writers 
came up with the idea, well, let's just take away The Rock's name and call him da-da-da-da-da. No, Rocky Maivia, Dwayne Johnson, came up with that idea. He said, let me try something different. Let me, ref let me talk about myself in the third person. And then he, he, he shortened his own name to The Rock. And it went from there. It wasn't something forced on the fans by the company is what I'm saying, okay? Wrestling gimmicks, wrestling characters. No matter what Vincent Man wants to think. Or dumbass Johnny Ace, which I'll get to that later. Or Bruce Pritchard or Nick Khan. They got to understand we have to buy into the character as a person. It can't be forced on us. Let's break and come back and talk about what actually happened versus what I thought would happen. They open with Asuka versus Becky versus Bianca for the Raw Women's Championship. Um, and this, this whole thing was lacking championship matches. Um, now, <clears throat> excuse me. Of course, they just combined Roman Reigns, or the Raw and SmackDown world titles, and they combined the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. You still have an Intercontinental Champion and a U.S. Champion. The United States Champion, of course, right now is Austin Theory. Then you have a, a Raw Women's Champion and a SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, Bianca Belair on Raw and Ronda Rousey on SmackDown. Okay, great. Why is your pay-per-view card so lacking in championship matches? But anyways, to this match, um, it was a, a seesaw battle. All three women put out extant. <laughs> say put out, put on an outstanding show. They put it all in, and you can't blame them that it was booked poorly. You did not need Becky Lynch in this match. I don't know when the WWE Vince 
Johnny Pervert Ace Laurinaitis and creepy Uncle Bruce Pritchard will realize that Asuka is one of their best talents, one of their best wrestlers, one of the most entertaining people in the company. Her fan base is overwhelming. It's just as big, she's just as popular as Becky, as Bianca, as anyone else on that roster. And just as talented, if not more, in the ring. Nonetheless, Asuka gets beat up most of the match. She gets her offense in. She does get her offense in. But she's in this match to do the job. So... Becky hits the manhandle slam on Asuka. Bianca then grabs Becky and throws her out of the ring. And Bianca pins uh, Asuka with not hitting a finishing move or anything. Just throws Becky out of the ring and pins Asuka. That's the end of the match. Way to destroy Asuka. Vinnie Mac, Dirty Old Man John Laurinaitis, and Dirty Old Bruce Pritchard. Uh, we then had Almost and MVP in a handicap match versus Bobby Lashley. Not real excited about this match, but I do. I like all the guys in it. It's just... This was the blow-off match to this feud, and thank goodness. Almost was dominant for most of the match. He wrestles the way a big man should wrestle. Um, he works well, you know, just well enough. Uh, but he's a big man. He's a giant. He's not supposed to be superhuman, super agile. Um... Andre was not super agile, at least not once we all became aware of Andre the Giant. Now, when Andre was young, he was, man, he was tall and skinny and handsome. Uh, almost is not, not handsome, but he is tall and he's built. He's a big dude. Muscular, where Andre, toward the end, Andre was just big, just... You know, but anyways, God bless Andre. Um, MVP picked his spots in this match where he would tag himself in once Almost had done the dirty work and he would get his shots in on Bobby Lashley. Um, there was one funny moment when Bobby was outside the ring laying up against the barrier and Almost was building up momentum to run into him and run through the barrier. And I thought he was running in slow motion. And the announcers were selling it like, oh my God, look at the speed of almost. Look at how fast he's moving. Oh my, yeah, yeah. Like, you call that fast? <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess they think they can pull the wool over our eyes by screaming fast. Look how fast Almost is. Okay. Doesn't matter how loud you yell it. He still looks slow to me, but whatever. 
you then had accidental outside interference from Cedric Alexander, uh, which caused almost to uh, end up being outside the ring. Uh, uh, Cedric was obviously trying to help MVP and almost because uh, Cedric wants back in the hurt business, the the faction. Uh, this ends up leading to Bobby Lashley putting MVP in the Hurt Lock. MVP taps out. Uh, you save almost the from taking the loss in this, so you keep almost strong, but you also blow off the feud uh, after the match. There was someone in the audience holding up, or a lot of people in the audience, holding up world title belts. Bobby went over and grabbed one of the world title belts from a fan and was parading around with it and saying, I'm coming for it. I'm coming for it. And uh, it was. He, he, he deserves a world title shot. He's popular with the fans. He's a great baby face. He's somebody that you could believe would be able to beat uh, Roman Reigns. I had to stop and think for a minute. But anyways. So then we had Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. Uh, I thought this would be a good match. Both guys are good wrestlers. I don't think Ezekiel or Elias ever got the credit where credit was due. For being the good, good worker that he is, but uh, this one Ezekiel came right out, started quick, hit uh, Kevin Owens with knees to the face, and then did an elbow drop off the top rope. Uh, tried to go for a quick pin. Of course, KO kicked out. Uh, Kevin Owens is obsessed with yelling at. Ezekiel, you're Elias. Say you're Elias and all that. Then uh, they had, you know, back and forth match. Kevin Owens was pretty dominant. Kevin Owens is one of, the, one of those guys that can carry anybody to a good match. And he really didn't need to carry Ezekiel or Elias or whatever. But Kevin Owens is just a really good worker underappreciated by the company but he did get a big payday recently so hopefully they keep him for the next five years so he gets his financial due where he's not getting his his wrestling dues. I don't care Vince that he doesn't have a great body that he's not a diesel chiseled out wrestler bodybuilder in a wrestling ring he can work um, this might have been the best match of the night um, it was a lot better than I thought it would be but I wasn't sure what the point of this was what did this what score was settled here what what was the point uh, you didn't prove that Ezekiel is really Elias I don't know why that's a big deal, and I don't know why they need to change Elias' name from Elias to Ezekiel. It's been cute, 
it's been a fun run. Kevin Owens is very entertaining. But what did this match solve? What was the point of all of this? As entertaining as, as it was, the build and the feud and everything, what was the point? Didn't resolve anything. So, you had... Now, this is what I'm calling the Bullet Club plus Liv Morgan versus the Judgment Day. Now I'm starting to give away how good this pay-per-view really was. Because here's another one that could have been the best match of the night. <laughs> uh, it looked like it was going to start out with Rhea versus Liv Morgan. Now, I observe weird things, and I guess my TV, either I'm not, <clears throat> either I'm not sitting close enough to it, or, or something. Alright, this is like borderline uh, obsessive compulsive, or something. Borderline weird. But I just noticed tonight, like, at the, her, in her upper midsection... Like, directly above her belly button, but below her rib cage. Liv Morgan has, like, a great big mole on her stomach. I don't know if they just didn't cover it up tonight. Like, didn't put makeup over it. Or if the TV I was watching was higher definition than the TV I'm used to watching. Anyways, I noticed weird stuff like that. Sorry, but... It's just my weirdness. I notice I'm very detailed, detail oriented. Uh, Rhea was wrestling for the first time in shorts or short tights. Usually she comes out in long pants. And my first thought was, wow, now you can see all the tattoos on her legs. Cool. But I also thought, oh crap, is this like Johnny Laurinaitis, Johnny Ace's BS about? dress sexier, wear fishnet stockings, this supposed two-hour-long meeting he had with the women, that you need to dress sexier like Mandy Rose. Uh, I hope not. Rhea is such a talented woman. They brought her to the main roster where she was ridiculously popular. They didn't have anyone for her to feud with. They put the women's world title on her too quick. And she fizzled really quick. She should have had like a year-long tear where she's just destroying everyone. Asuka or whoever the women's champion was is on the same path. So you got these two juggernauts on a collision course. Instead, they misused Asuka. So you have a weak champion versus uh, the Irresistible Force. And by the way, Nia Jax was not the Irresistible Force. If you watched re wrestling back in my day, at the beginning of WrestleMania 3, when Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant wrestled, Gorilla Monsoon said, it's the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. 
Andre was this giant, beastly man. He was the immovable object. Hulk was the irresistible force. He was a little smaller, much uh, more defined muscular, yeah, muscularity. Nia Jax was a fucking walking couch in the ring. Okay? And ooh, yuck. Well, I'm getting way off subject. But, lately Naya's been posting lingerie photos online. She needs to fucking stop and dress her body type. I'm a big guy. I wear loose clothing and I cover myself from head to toe. That's all I'm saying. Anyhow, we got way off of this. To make Rhea Ripley the great wrestler that she is, they should have had her as the irresistible force meeting an immovable, unbeatable opponent. They didn't do that. So now Rhea Ripley is in this limbo and they're trying to revive what they screwed up by putting her in the Judgment Day with Edge. Now I like this grouping of Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. A lot of people don't. I don't know why. But hey, what the hell. I like this group. So Liv Morgan start out she got the early advantage on Rhea once they got things settled down Rhea has that vicious like standing headbutt uh, it's the best headbutt I've seen since Paige now Paige was different because she was smaller but Paige would do you know four or five headbutts in rapid succession like she was headbanging to music but beating the hell out of you with her head Rhea, she uses this like she's a brick wall and uses her head to just bludgeon people when they're coming off the ropes or something. Very impressive. So then we had Damian Priest working over Finn Balor for a while. Finally, Balor hits the Pele kick, gets the hot tag to AJ Styles. AJ and Edge are in there exchanging blows. Uh, then I noticed AJ was covered in the crimson mask and ended up getting tossed out of the ring. And I don't know if it was um, he got busted open the hard way accidentally or if this was part of the, the angle. So anyways, AJ's eliminated from it. Uh, Rhea and Liv are fighting it out. Uh, Liv's mole and Rhea's tattoos are fighting. Everybody's fighting. Uh, Edge pins Finn Balor with a spear. Um, also, I noticed Finn has a lot of moles, too. I told you I noticed weird shit. It's not just on the women. I'm not that creepy. Uh, anyhow, so, good match. Um, I guess I wouldn't say this was a match of the night candidate, but... 
it was it was just good enough to make you say, "Wow, this this feud could go on a little while longer, and it wouldn't break my heart." I like both factions. I don't think there need to be like a hundred factions in wrestling. Like we had uh, what in the early 2000s or late 90s where, you know, there were like the disciples of the apocalypse with the undertaker coming out on motorcycles. And then there was the nation of domination uh, and there was degeneration X and there was something else and something else. And every, everything had to be a group of five wrestlers. All right. So I don't think we need to go back to that, but I like factions. I liked when, you know, they they didn't have a name for their faction, but, you know, Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA, and then you would throw the Road Warriors or the Rock and Roll Express in there. And some combination thereof would always be feuding with the Four Horsemen. Or you had the Russians, the evil, ooh, the evil commie Russians. You know, Uncle Ivan and Nikita. And then later they added Crusher Khrushchev. Uh, And, you know, there would be various feuds with them and the Road Warriors and the Russians and the Rock and Roll Express. And, you know, it it, it just worked, you know. It was just good stuff. It was clear-cut good guys and clear-cut bad guys. So, all right, Austin Theory versus Mustafa Ali. Good match. I think both guys went over. Mustafa Ali is already over, and he's someone who's not always used well. He's quit the company or been released once for not feeling appreciated. Uh, but he's back now, and he he still doesn't seem to be very appreciated. But this th- match with him and Austin Theory, two good athletes, good high spots, great match. Uh, good United States title match. Austin Theory retained the United States title. Uh, Vince McMahon has big things in store for Austin Theory. Uh, although... They want to call him Theory. He needs a first name and a last name. So we can so we can get involved in his character. So we can learn to be a part of his character. But whatever. Now we come to the main event. Are you ready? Are you ready for the main event? This one. Uh, had a, a day-long build-up drama to it. Uh, I read earlier today that Cody had a torn peck. I think it's a work. I don't know. Cody's chest was black and blue. That's one thing I was looking for uh, to see if he legitimately had a torn peck because usually that will bruise. And he did. But when I first saw the close-up of it it looked a little bit like makeup so i don't know we'll see uh you know if he's out of action for a while if he comes out on raw and there's less bruise or the bruise looks different (laughs) than it does now i don't know
to be determined. But I thought it was a work. Seth Rollins came out wearing polka dots as a homage to Dusty Rhodes. I thought this was great. This is what Seth Rollins is good at. He's good at being like the Joker and getting inside your head. Um, I wondered if Cody would do some kind of high spot um, off the off the top of the cage or inside the cage but high up because he did that in All Elite Wrestling a few times. Did some moonsaults off the top of the cage and things like that. Uh, he did not do that tonight. So Cody right away went for a quick pin. Uh, he went for the Cody Cutter early on. He sold the damaged peck. Uh, the Cody Cutter, it's a version of the Diamond Cutter, but his body weight and, a, and Seth's head landed on the bruised peck. Uh, and he, Cody sold the, the bruised peck. Then Cody has Seth in the figure four leg lock. Seth crawls to the edge of the ring, reaches over the ring apron. He pulls out a tool, a toolbox and a Singapore cane. He then begins to use the weapons on the bad pack, bad shoulder area of Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Uh, so it continues on. Seth is going after the bad pectoral muscle with weapons, with holds, throwing that part of Cody's body into the ring, into the cage, working that torn pectoral muscle. Um, then Seth pulls out a, a, a hidden polka dot weight belt that was hidden under the ring. How do they how do they get this stuff under the ring without anybody noticing? Gee, yeah, I mean the guys that put the ring up are leaving their toolboxes laying around. People are leaving Singapore canes under there. What, what? You would think somebody would check like before the show to make sure there weren't all these weapons hidden under the ring. I don't get it, but you know. So then, you know, after the the polka dot weight lifting belt. Uh, Cody pulls out a bull rope complete with cowbell homage to his dad who had many bull rope matches in his career um, famously one with uh, superstar Billy Graham in the 70s you tie a big piece of rope to each guy's wrist and in the middle there's a ginormous cowbell and of course they use the cowbell as cowbell not cowbell cowbell as a weapon um it looked like seth got bloodied a little bit here and it made me think back to aj wearing the crimson mask earlier in the night are we getting back to those days where blood is acceptable at least on premium live events because uh, for a while there, it, there's been a no blood policy in WWE but in these you know grudge matches that are supposed to be ultra violent not ultra violet ultra violent 
uh, it does seem like you know somebody would get color, get bloody. And honestly, it hasn't been until the last 10 years of the PG-13 WWE era. I never saw a steel cage match where somebody didn't get bloodied. Now no one ever gets bloodied. Um, and of course, one of the great bleeders of all time, Ric Flair, thinks that wrestlers don't need to get bloody anymore. Maybe because his daughter is a wrestler. <laughs> Think that's got something to do with it? Uh, now, in all elite wrestling, they cut each other up every other week. And Britt Baker is one of the great bleeders of all time now. Um, but anyways, uh, every time Cody starts to get some momentum, Seth is there to cut him off. Uh, Rollins ends up power bombing Cody through a table in the corner. Earlier in the match, Rollins set up a table in the middle of the ring. <clears throat> he had Cody on the table, went for a frog splash. Cody moved. Rollins ate the table. Now Rollins <clears throat> sets up another table in the corner. You wonder, is Rollins going to get... Uh, is this going to backfire on Rollins again? Of course it didn't. He powerbombed Cody through the the table. Uh, after that, you know, they, they go on for a while, back and forth. Good match. Good, good match. The crowd was into it. Cody wins after he hits two crossroads finishing moves in a row. Followed by a sledgehammer to Seth Rollins' head. A lot of false finishes in this match. The crowd gave them a standing ovation. Which is very, very interesting. Because it wasn't long ago. At this point in a pay-per-view. A lot of the audience would be leaving for, <clears throat> for the exits. To you know, beat the traffic out of the parking lots. Instead, this audience stayed and gave Cody, specifically Cody, but I would say Cody and Seth, a standing ovation. Something I've not seen in wrestling in a long time. So I don't know how legitimate this injury is with Cody Rhodes. Um, hopefully, it doesn't put him on the shelf if it is a, a legit injury. Uh, because he's definitely got lightning in a bottle, and the WWE has something special with him. Uh, on a on another note, however, um, I think this is more the economy than it is the state of WWE or wrestling. Uh, money in the bank had to be moved from Allegiant Stadium, the Las Vegas Raiders' home stadium. They had to move it uh, from that venue to a smaller venue because ticket sales were not what they needed them to be. Uh, but that's the economy. Uh, I'm seeing $8 a gallon gas in California. Uh, in my neck of the woods, Ohio, I saw my first $4.99 gasoline uh, price. 
That's regular unleaded. God forbid you have some nice car that requires high octane gas. You're you get you're selling a kidney on the internet if that happens. Uh, anyways, so I think it's more the economy than it is the state of wrestling for the WWE uh, that they couldn't fill out a stadium. SummerSlam will be a stadium show, uh, and I'm sure it will it will, will sell out. Uh, it's SummerSlam, you know. It's one of the original four pay-per-views that people come from all over the world to see. So, anyhow, I give this pay-per-view a solid three and a half, maybe stretch it to four stars. Uh, I was disappointed in the lack of world championship matches. Uh, no tag team titles on the line. No world heavyweight title on the line. But the grudge match that I'm watching for the second time now between Cody and Seth was solid enough to carry the card. You know, Dusty always had that idea that this match at the top is what brings you to the arena. And there were only like three matches on this show that I cared about. Uh, three matches on this card, pardon me, that I cared about. This was one of them, obviously. Uh, but what Dusty said, you know, what's down here, the opening act, may be just as good as who's up here, but it's what's at the top that sells the tickets. This is what you came to see. And Seth versus Cody delivered on that. Uh, I wasn't super duper impressed with it at first, but watching it now for the second time, I appreciate it more. Austin Theory and Mustafa Ali going to be big stars down the road if they don't keep screwing up Mustafa Ali. Um, Liv Morgan and her mole. <laughs> I think they kept the wrong remember Liv, Ruby, and Sarah were the riot squad I think they kept the wrong rioter but it's Bruce Pritchard and Johnny Ace Laurinaitis um, Liv, I, I give her respect she's getting better and like I said about Mandy Rose, give Liv three years to develop her wrestling skills, her in-ring talent. She will be a top draw. But Ruby and Sarah, Sarah Logan or Sarah Rowe, whatever, Crazy Mary Dobbins, was already there. Ruby was already there. They just didn't use them right. Because Vince and perverts, uh, preverts and company, Vince and Johnny Ace and Bruce Pritchard didn't, didn't get talent when they saw it. So, uh, but I don't want to discredit Liv Morgan. She puts her heart into it. She's, a, she's becoming a good worker. Uh, Asuka deserves better than what they're using her as. Uh... You know, Becky and Bianca, yeah, they're great. They're over. They're talented. But Asuka deserves her moments in the spotlight. KO and 
you're and Elias or Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elias. Um, good match, but I just didn't understand the point. What did it prove? What did it pay off? I didn't get it. Um, Madcap Moss. What if they gave, if they announced a new name for him? I didn't see it, but he's coming out now in black trunks, black knee pads, and uh, ankle high or calf high wrestling boots. Kind of looks like a little Goldbergish. But this guy's diesel. He's chiseled. Uh, he's what Vince likes. He's a big, beefy boy. So I think Mad Cat Moss is another one. Five years from now, if they don't fuck it up, he'll be a top star in the WWE. Uh, Roman seems like he's starting to cycle out. He wants to. Uh, he seems like he's doing less house shows. He's not on this card. Uh, Jimmy and Jay Uso weren't on this card. No tag team titles. Um, obviously, no women's tag team titles. That division's probably dead. So, anyways, good, good pay-per-view. Uh, God bless you all. I'll talk to you later. Thank you very much for listening and watching and everything. Remember to pray for each other. Find me on Getter and Twitter at the real underscore Big John. God bless y'all. Thank you for a good night. I am Iron Man. Vengeance.